Life is hard when you don't know who you are. It's harder when you don't know what you are. My love carries a death sentence. I was lost for years, searching while hiding, only to find that I belong to a world hidden from humans. I won't hide anymore. I will live the life I choose. You're listening to episode 34 of Fadeless, a podcast devoted to the supernatural series Lost Girl. My name is Dave, and sitting miles beyond the known reaches of cyberspace to slice into this week's episode. Welcome, Wayne. How do you do, Dave? How are you doing today, this fine um, evening? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Um, we thought it was going to be one setup, and uh, it's not what we thought was going to happen. Yeah, well, into each life a little rain must fall and and anytime we uh plan to have danielle on the show it just doesn't work out it rains like hell she just keeps breaking our hearts i don't so. know i don't know what to do with that girl yeah well um well we got a lot to talk about regardless on the show tonight you know we got news uh, i guess we'll hold off on the pilot preview uh project x we got some more listener feedback uh from sally episode recap and obviously we're a little bit split on this most recent episode, but uh, uh, one thing I did get to see was Arrow uh, about an hour or so ago, and that was pretty cool. You're up to date, I'm oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I live for Wednesday nights now, man. Well, Arrow, I live for, Arrow, I live for Thursday. Uh, okay. Um, What's on Thursdays? That you... Well, I watch Arrow on Thursday. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I got <gotcha. laughs> Because on Wednesday, I'm watching NCIS, which I – DVR'd on Tuesday, and I'm always right. Okay, always one day behind. Yeah, but that's all right. It's you got your own schedule, man. You like you live for the now. I was just thinking yeah. this whole thing with Diane, uh, Danielle, as as I was uh, as you were mentioning her, it's taking like kind of a, a literary bend here. You know, it's kind of like very waiting for Godotish. Ah, I like it. Um, and so you know, we could maybe write a play called Waiting for Danielle, just two guys. Doing the podcast for hours and hours and hours, and the special guest never shows up. I like it. And apropos, um, now before I forget, and I'm going to throw this in at the end of the podcast as well. Uh, you know, we'd love to hear from the listeners, and you, they can drop us a line at fadelesspodcast at gmail.com. They can check out the website, fadeless.podbean.com. And once they're there, they can also leave us a voicemail with that big tab on the right for the speak pipe message. Uh, at this point, the listeners are uh, limited to 90 seconds, but you know, if you have something more to say, just do it twice. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, and we're getting a little better. You still haven't put those poems yeah, up. Yeah, I know. I know. If only we could get Facebook at work, it'd be brilliant. I'd, I'd have I'm all this stuff you. done, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, Facebook, and uh, uh, you can get an occasional tweet from us, or as most of the listeners are likely doing, they can access us through iTunes. So, but other than that, uh, anything interesting going on? Uh, not really. Basically, uh, pretty much lack of interest going on in my life in general. <laughs> oh, okay. But uh, but uh, I got uh, you know we're talking about being human. Uh, the U.S. Um, I'm not caught up quite yet because I'm in this kind of like in-between state where I was able to watch episodes one through five on like Hulu. Um, 
but uh, and, but they're on like episode ten is where I started recording. So now I've got just like a couple episodes, or maybe like six or something. So I have like three episodes, basically more that now I have to wait basically three weeks. You know, like because they they only have like five episodes at a time on Hulu or on Sci-Fi the the website. They don't have five full episodes up at a time. So right now they've got two, three, four, five, and six, and then next week will be three, four, five, six, and seven, and then the week after that will be four, five, six, seven, eight, and then, then the next week I'm golden. Well, I think I did walk in on you and Danielle where she was not buying your opinion that the U.S. version is just as good as the U.K. Yeah, I think it, you know, it turns out I think her opinion of the U.S. version was a completely superficial one. Okay. She's like, they look too pretty or something like that, she said. I'm like, so you basically never seen it. Yeah. Well, so she's like, seen the pro she's seen the promos, maybe. Yeah, I guess. So I told her, I'm like, man, it is it's it's good. It's good. She's gonna watch it and she's gonna be like, Yep, you're so right. It's okay. awesome. Wayne, you were right. Yep. I, I know. Some, something you don't hear of that I often. I hear it all the time. I just I, I Well for I, me. I, I've kind of I have a sense of ennui about it now. Like, yeah, you know, I just get so used to hearing it, I don't even care anymore. All right. Um <laughs> Now, other than that, I don't have anything going on. Uh, you know, my TV watching this week, I've been getting like one episode of whatever. Uh, haven't even seen Once Upon a Time all week. Getting very far behind on that, but it's still still pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, I, I, you know, I should be remiss if I didn't mention um, how uh, Walking Dead is the season three finale will be on this Sunday. And it looks like it's going to be crazy. Well, speaking of things coming up, and, and, and I know a lot of the listeners are Walking Dead fans, this Saturday night, the Doctor returns. Oh, yeah. How could uh, that, like, again, now I am super remiss. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I like that way. I forgot about that way. Yeah, that's, that's ex- I'm actually kind of a little psyched about this because uh, my one son is actually caught up. And so uh, I can now watch it with somebody else now. Which yeah. Be- now, now, the other show that's going to debut that same night, and oh, I apologize for not knowing whether it comes before Doctor Who, although I believe it's, it comes after. after. It's, it's right okay. after Doctor Who. Right. Orphan Black, which, yeah, we're both looking forward to checking that out. Yeah, it looks good, man. Because, you know, there's plenty of fantasy. There's plenty of supernatural TV out there, but... The sci-fi is is you know really few and far between as shows like Fringe, you know, close their run. So, you know, yeah, and it also it's a Canadian produced show as well. So you know how we love our Canadian sci-fi, absolutely. So, so and then the other thing that uh, I, I've missed the first two, but what BBC has been running are these documentaries on each Doctor and uh, the third Doctor is coming up on March 31st, and I want to say 8 o'clock. Listeners, uh, you know, check your local listings, but it's on Sunday the 31st. They're going to preview the third Doctor. And which one was Tom Baker? He's the fourth. Fourth, okay. So this one is, uh, I always thought it was pronounced Pertwee. It's spelled P-E-R-T-W-E-E, John Pertwee, but then somebody told me I was pronouncing it wrong, but regardless... You can check that out if you're into the doctor, or okay. you know, even if you're not. I'll tell you, I, I'm a big fan of documentaries, especially ones of bands. Even if I don't like the band, they're, they've been running one on 
HBO or Showtime about the Eagles. And I was never a big Eagles fan. Uh, Despise the Eagles. Well, but it's just fascinating to watch their story and, you know, how... See how they achieve such a tremendous level of suckiness? Well, (laughs) yeah, that too. We started off just kind of sucking, and then we just decided we really wanted to devote ourselves to this. So we really threw ourselves into it. All right. Well, enough about the Eagles. So, All right. Well, why don't we do a little bit of sci-fi news? Let's do it. All right. In what most sci-fi fans assumed was a foregone conclusion, the U.S. Sci-Fi Network announced it was picking up the 13-episode second season of the Canadian time travel, police procedural, time show cop. we all love, Continuum. Oh, there that one. All right. Starring Alias, Star Trek, and G.I. Joe alum, Rachel Nichols, the show will air beginning June 7th, Fridays at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And, you know, we've talked about the Friday time slot. Uh, You know, it seems to be the death slot for Fox. But I have read a lot of people on the Internet that think that's a great spot. And, you know, I'm beginning to agree that Friday for sci-fi, I mean, like we've said many times, nobody watches anything live anymore. True. So, But... Probably also your average sci-fi fan doesn't have Friday Night Plans. Good point. All right. Now, during its first season, Continuum no, Average... Wait, wait, but I thought, I, 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 think, I thought that I saw that it was the, like the April something. Was... No, that's the Canadian. Uh, all yeah. right. So they're doing the whole delay thing again. So, Goodness gracious. Right. So they're, it's going to... April 21st is the Canadian premiere, and then, uh, well, it's going to be worse for Lost Girl. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, I, I know, I know. You know, it looks like boggles, just reading. Boggles of mine. Yeah, reading between the lines, it looks like it could be anywhere from a three to four month delay, but yeah, it is what it is. All right, well, anyway, Continuum averaged 1.4 million total viewers, uh, over half a million in the 18 to 49 demographic. Um, and it, speaking of numbers, uh, for Lost Girl. Okay, so we just saw episode 10 of season three, and it was, uh, I believe you mentioned it's a downward trend. So we've gone from 1.1 million in episode eight down to 968,000, and then we were at uh, a low of 827,000. So, ouch. Yeah, but apparently the numbers in Canada, and, and I guess Good that's enough. really where. Well, right. That's where it counts because they're the ones producing the show and, you know, sci-fi just, you know, picks it up. So all is good. All right. Speaking of money, bringing in over $400 million at the box office, Ridley Scott's Prometheus seemed like a no-brainer for a sequel. But that's what Damon Lindelof had in mind when he came on board to write the script. So apparently Prometheus was intended by Scott and 20th Century Fox to be a standalone But Lindelof allegedly talked the studio into making it a trilogy, all of which would have been fine. But the former lost showrunner and writer left the Prometheus franchise to work on Star Trek and Tomorrowland. So now we're in a big mess. According to reports, the studio doesn't know where to take the story next. Now, you haven't seen Prometheus, right? I still haven't seen it. Okay, so the ending is rather nebulous. I mean, it's one of those that uh, it's like, oh, that was a cool ending. I have no idea what it means, but, uh, you know, so supposedly kind of, kind of, as they did, uh, with lost with the ending of lost. Well, lost is, you know, 
pretty literal compared to this ending. <laughs> okay. But supposedly they don't know where to take the story. They're accepting pitches from anyone with even a kernel of an idea. Now, responding to SlashFilms.com, I love that name, Jermaine uh, Lussier, Damon Lindelof said, uh, this is you know his tweet, uh, during the creative process of Prometheus, all involved, and that includes Fox and Ridley, had a strong desire for this film to launch off in its own way so that by the end it would not connect directly to the original Alien, but instead run pa- parallel to it. This is something I talked about many, many times in the press burst around the release of the movie. And as you probably remember, there was a lot of interest as to whether Prometheus was a prequel, and the answer was yes, sort of. But there was a sequel to Prometheus. It would not be Alien. All right, taking the strong foundation that uh, John Spates had already written, I worked on the script to this end. And yes, during that process, Ridley did occasionally riff on what he felt might happen next as Shaw and David's head ventured off on LV-223 in search of wherever the engineers had come from. So, you know, people that have seen the movie know what that means. After the movie came out, discussions began about a possible sequel. I was already neck deep in writing and producing Tomorrowland with Brad Bird, who I know you're a fan of. Uh, I found, unfortunately, that if I take on too many projects at one time, there's a higher probability of those projects sucking. And contrary to popular belief, I do not want anything I work on to suck. I really don't. (laughs) I care about these stories deeply, not just as a writer, but as a fan. Now, as to whether Ridley and Fox are freaking out about me not working on a sequel, well, that's news to me. I retain awesome relationships with both. More importantly, the idea that there aren't many, many writers out there capable of taking the reins is sort of ridiculous. I did not map out a trilogy and then walk when the going got tough. And anybody who says otherwise doesn't know me and doesn't know the truth. So... You know, uh, I certainly like the film. It's cert- it's one of those films that definitely requires multiple viewings, which I haven't done yet. But, you know, it did too well to not have a sequel. Yeah, so. I guess, yeah again, not, not having seen it, but uh, looking forward to seeing it eventually someday, then uh, we'll see. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's, you got to respect him. Like, he just kind of, like, you know, realizes uh-huh. he's got too much going on and just to say, listen, I'm just not up to this. But yeah, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of other, it's, he's not the only person who could write this story for crying out loud. My right. goodness. There's all the writers. Writers are a dime a dozen in Hollywood, man. Yeah, you would think, but well, anyway, that's uh, the news for this week. And that will take us into Project X. Project X. Project X this week is going to be pretty short. Uh, so the first thing we got is a Tikbalang, which is a Filipino folklore creature. It is a half person, half horse, which we really didn't see that bit, um, except with the hair. I don't know. Uh, it plays tricks on travelers usually leading them into the woods and then having them return to the same trail all the time. And again, as we said before, you know, all these stories come up out of, you know, some guy gets lost in the woods and he ends up in the back of the same place all the time. He's just going around in circles. So we finally 
gets his way out and he goes says, oh, man, some creature obviously was leading me astray. It's not because I'm a, a moron, right? Um, but actually the way that you can ward off the power of the Tikbalang, which, you know, I guess Trick should have known or someone should have known to be able to tell them, is to turn your T-shirt inside out. Okay. And that will that that will ward off the <laughs> – so if you ever find yourself in the woods and you keep – you're lost, you're going in circles, and you think you might be under the influence of a, uh, of a folklore creature, simply turn your shirt inside out and all will be well. Uh, another interesting thing is that apparently they have like super long legs so that when the tick pulling squats, its knees go up past its head. Okay. Yeah. It reminds me of my first girlfriend. Anyway. <laughs> then uh, the next thing moving on is the uh, Acacia, which is uh, the Linda Hamilton's character's name. And so I thought, that's a kind of an unusual name. Let's look that up. So the Acacia is a thorn tree, otherwise known as a, as otherwise known as a thorn tree, a whistling thorn, or a wattle, or a thorn bush. Or, I'm sorry, it is a thorn bush. Now, is it spelled A-C-A-C-I-A? Yes, A-C-A-C-I-A. Oh, okay. Um, so, as far as how does it relate to the character, well, she is kind of prickly, I guess you would say. She's kind of rough around the edges, so, you know, kind of that, uh, I guess that's how it... But also... In Freemason symbolism, they are symbols. The acacia is a symbol of purity, of resurrection, and of immortality. So, okay. what you were saying earlier today of her character still being alive, um, you know, maybe it is. You know, based on her name, you know, maybe she cannot be killed or something. I don't know. Right. And. Uh, in, in tying kind of tying in with that like theme of resurrection, that uh, th- there is some, I guess there are some stories that say that the acacia is what the Jesus's crown of thorns was made out of. Oh, so okay. so you know that's uh, neither here nor there, but uh, that's Project X for this week, people. All right, now it's funny with acacia. Uh, obviously, you know I'm a bass player. Uh, there's a, I believe they're out of Pennsylvania, but they're they're very high end basses that are custom ordered, and the woods are extremely beautiful. Um, so I don't know if that's how they chose the name, or if there's maybe a town in Pennsylvania named Acacia. Yeah. But all right, that's good. My favorite Pennsylvania town is Intercourse, Pennsylvania. I have a T-shirt. Intercourse.com. Nice. My wife and her mother brought it back for me. Listener feedback. Yeah, baby. I want to jump ahead to listener feedback, and we've got some more emails from Sally, who we read some last week. And uh, the first, yeah, I'm going to read some, you know, I'm not going to read them in their entirety. And the first parts I'll read are from a couple episodes ago, but I think they're they're certainly still relevant, and, and I think the ideas are certainly good enough that, you know, I, I want to throw them out there, and then, you know, certainly a couple of them will want to comment on. So, first one, uh, hi, Dave and Wayne. I really like the most recent episode. 
It felt like things are really starting to get going with an ongoing story arc that will be about the larger quest for Bo to pass the test of the dawning. We also got a lot of hints that there is more at stake than just Bo's fey coming of age. The business with the tarot cards and Tamsin and the Wanderer seems like it's setting up something big. I think the narrative can not only benefit from something more overarching and important, by now we've been introduced to the basics of some of the Fey world, but it's clear that we, the audience, along with Bo, have only started to scratch the surface. And, and look, I think, I mean, you and I are certainly fans of the overarching theme, and, uh, you know, sometimes we get away from it, and I guess we'll we'll talk a little bit about that in when we talk about episode 10. Yeah, and the best shows are the ones. Like, I think, so far, I think the show, and we talked about this last week, that, that has really balancing the two is Arrow. Yeah. Uh, of balancing that overall story arc with the quote-unquote monster of the week. And, and this past episode was a classic example of that. We saw some bits of the island and then him finding the, the bad guy of the week and everything. Um, and that's why, like, when, you know, Supernatural, I, I mean, I'm still loving this season, but this season certainly I don't think is as good as past seasons have been. And I think in the the best seasons of Supernatural, they did a, a fantastic job of kind of bouncing over uh, overall storylines with their Monster of the Week type thing. All right. And that was one of the problems. I, I feel bad even using the word problem in the same sentence as X-Files, but they didn't cover enough, for my taste, of the overarching conspiracy, UFO, alien story arc that, you know, the, it was too much Monster of the Week. But, all right, so she goes on to say, speaking of the dawning, thank goodness for Tamsin. For all that Trick is Bo's grandfather and hired a really in-demand Faye tutor to help Bo, and for all that Dyson and all of Bo's supposed good friends have been through this dawning themselves— They've told her remarkably little about what to expect and how to prepare. Surely they could have told her more helpful information than what's apparently nothing. And outsourcing Bo's learning curve to Stella seems on the surface like a good move by Trick, but where are all of Bo's friends in this? Anyway, Tamsin shows up to tell, tell Bo like it is. I'm interested in Tamsin's motivations for helping Bo. Sometimes I think she's genuinely starting to like Bo, but then her parting line at the end of the episode that Bo sucks at reading people and Tamsin's not one of the good guys makes me think maybe not. And that's certainly something that, that has continued into the episode we're going to talk about tonight. Yep, for sure. That's you know. one of the good things about this episode. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, <laughs> moving you on. I got that shot in there, right? Yeah, I know. All right. Now, when Bo <laughs> objected to going with the Spriggan, citing her girlfriend— the Spriggan said, and yet you lie to her all the time, which is true. She even lied about why she was going to be late to Lauren's banquet. It made me wonder what else Bo has been lying about to Lauren. I think a lot of things happen off camera in this show, so it's probably possible that Bo's been lying to Lauren about a lot more. Goes back to her, Bo's emotional age. But anyway, why couldn't she just say she had shaken the hand of a Spriggan? Right? Because... Lauren would know Lauren, what a spriggan is. Lauren would know. That, that's, yeah. that's a really good point. Right. But I think that the key point she makes, you know, the whole thing about Bo's emotional age and that, you know, we forget. I mean, we talked, I think, last episode that she's 30 now, but heck, 30 and Faye lifespan is nothing. 30 is the new three. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, she's, she's a, mere, a mere pup as far as the, the Faye are concerned. Yeah, and I mean, not to mention the fact that she's growing into all of these powers that, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. Now like no adolescence, way. right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now she says Tamson kissing Bo. Was it the machine that made her do it, or does she have a burgeoning attraction to Bo that she's a bit chagrined about? Now we talked a little bit about that last week, and I think we certainly thought the first time around that it was the machine. But then when you when I looked at it the second time, uh, if if we're saying it was the machine because it affects Bo, well then Tamson's the one that initiated the kiss. Right. Yeah. So. Good point. But then in, in this episode, she's like kind of using that to hurt Lauren, you know, so. Right. Yep. You know, I mean, this, this, with this episode, I mean, we are really questioning uh, Tamsin and, and her, where her loyalties lie and everything. So we don't, we still really don't know. She's still, you know, right. one minute she's throwing away the bottle, one minute she's grabbing people's hair, you know, it's yep. just. But it's uh, crazy. all right, we'll, 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 we'll get to that in a minute. All right, so uh, Sally continues by saying, and, and we bo- I think we both love this scene, the scientist dude that comes to Lauren's apartment. Even though it seemed like it was set up to make us think that maybe this dude will either be competition for Bo, maybe a love interest for Lauren, or at least a vehicle to make Bo jealous, I don't think so exactly. Uh, she said she read a comment in an AfterEllen.com thread where the poster predicted that the scientist guy will kidnap Lauren and then Bo will have to save her. That's I like that. Yeah, maybe I'll, I, use, that, maybe I'll use that as my prediction this week. There you go. You could, you could. So cite your sources and everything. But uh, well, you know, I, I started thinking about this the more, and I know I said that the the caretaker might be the wanderer. Mm-hmm. And after, especially for this episode, I'm like, that's ridiculous. I still think the wanderer is Bo's dad. Clearly the caretaker, not it. So might this doctor dude be, you know, because it's so random that he's there, yeah. right? And then yeah, he'll no, come back say, to that. You're, you're saying you think he's who? He might be Bo's dad. Okay. You know, like a okay. Faye in disguise. Because he is a wanderer, right? Yeah. So, like, people might not really know what he looks like. I just think, you know, it's so random that this guy just shows up as like, hey, you want to go out for a drink or whatever? And, you know, it's just totally like out there. So what's, why, why would they do that? Why would they write this character in? You know, we don't buy it as like any kind of love interest for Lauren. So why? And that's what made me think, oh, you know, I bet you that guy might be Bo's dad, you know? So anyway, so that would be my prediction. All right. Well, she uh, uh, ends it up by saying, uh, and, and this she agrees with uh, what you've said on this matter. I think most of the evidence we've seen so far is that Lauren's a Kinsey six or close to it. Do you know what a Kinsey six is? Uh, nope. I didn't either. I had to look it up. So <laughs> on the, you know, uh, Professor Kinsey or Dr. Kinsey had a, had a scale so that a six is somebody who is virtually entirely exclusively gay or lesbian. Okay, so she says uh-huh. Lauren's a Kinsey six, so I don't buy a love a male love interest for her, and you've said that before, and I don't right. think there's evidence from the writers that they would take the character in that direction, and and uh, yeah, I think we both agree. Yeah, with that's that. what I'm saying. He's not there to be a love interest, clearly. So no, why no. why would they do that, right? Right, but I I certainly do like the idea that he's going to perhaps create some sort of a conflict that's going to cause Bo to have to come to the rescue. In, in some fashion. Right. So, all I right, can, now, I can see that. All right. Now, uh, moving up to the ceremony, 
Uh, she says, we agree on most stuff you guys mentioned. I think especially the relationship imbalance piece and the Lauren lifespan stuff where, you know, we talked about it. Obviously, it's, you know, just the fact that, you know, even if they stay together, Lauren will age and Bo will not. Right. I still hold out hope for Docubus as an endgame, both because I think there are enough clues sprinkled in about how Bo feels about Lauren that the writers are creating that as a possibility, and because it was be romantic and I like them as a couple. I can only hope the writers create a vision as along those same lines. Now, tangential but related in the ceremony, when Trick says he'll adopt Bo's cat if she dies, I mean that he'll take Kenzie on if Bo devolves, did you notice that he sort of skirted around the whole the Kitsune said I could become Faye question, and I suspect they'll return to this at some point. And if they don't return to that at some point, I'm going to be very disappointed. Yeah, I, I definitely think they're, they're going to, because um, if then, you know, Kenzie won't have to be an outsider. Sidekick. Right. Yeah, she right. won't have to be an outsider. She won't have to be both sidekick. She'll be part of the community. So I could totally see them doing that, because I think they really... I think that they've kind of played out most of the angles. I mean, there's probably some out there, but it seems like they've really dealt with Kenzie and her her situation as a human in the Fey world. They've they've dealt with that a lot. I'd say they might have played it all out. So let's get a, something new for Kenzie. All right, Bo's got this new thing with the dawning. Kenzie becomes Fey, then that you know. So now there's whole bunch of new different kind of conflicts that uh, that you can uh, put in there for, for Kenzie. So. Yep. All right. Uh, now, three quick things from the ceremony. She says, I think the visions of her at home with Dyson and the visions of her at work with Lauren were part of the same vision, and it was Dyson's. Okay, and I think I think you said that. Yeah. Uh, right. And, and they uh, – oh, I can't remember his name now. The guy that was – you know, in the dawning, the caretaker, the caretaker, yeah, right. Who basically told Dyson that he could create whatever illusion he wants, thinking that Dyson was going to be trapped there forever. Um, when she returned home to Dyson and he brought Indian food, she talked about how she spent a while tra- trying to track down her CI Mackenzie. So she was still a cop. Oh, okay. I wonder what CI. CI must be some sort of Canadian abbreviation for confidential informant or something like that yeah that sounds good all right so uh it's like what what do the british call a resume they have some weird name for it every every time i hear i think oh i need to look that up to see what that really means well one thing i i learned uh by mistake doing the continuum podcast i referred to it as a swat team apparently in canada it's an ert emergency (laughs) response team but uh All right, so anyway, uh, she says, I think Lauren is former lover. Part of her vision was Dyson's way of trying to end the Bo-Lauren relationship in his mind. Lauren had given her love away, not Dyson. I've no idea why he was named Jason, though. So, well, I mean, I just think that the S-O-N on the end, you know, um, know, and actually Jason, J-A-Y, I mean, I know you don't spell it that way. Um, (laughs) Now, Here's one that that I, I know we both took a stand on this, but I don't think either of us was supremely confident. Uh, the woman on the cover of Domestic Daydreams, that magazine that Bo, uh, Bo brought inside, she says, I don't think that was Ife. I think it was the underwear model from the Suck You Feast that Bo refused. 
She showed up on lots of other things during Bo's dawning in the temple, on the table, tent, in the dowel, on the wall as a poster in Bo's house. I think her picture showed up five times. Five in one. Referring. But, you know, and I again, I, I think... I certainly said it. I think you may have agreed with me, but I don't think either of us was, you know, 100% confident. But then that begs the question, why pictures, you know, why was she seeing that underwear model unless perhaps if that's Bo's vision and she wishes she could have fed off that underwear model? Yeah, could be. You know, I because know. I mean, well, I, I, I certainly think, look, the desire to feed has to be there. See, at, th- at this sure. point, sh- she's, you know, just... Well, you're hungry. Pull- you're hungry. It doesn't go away. And that's like, that's a big, you know, that, that's a, a big urge for the urge for food, for sustenance is, is huge. So that's possible. Yeah. All right. And then lastly, she says, I didn't think it would have made sense for Lauren or Kenzie to accompany Bo into the temple. My only issue with Dyson joining Bo was the cognitive dissonance that it created in having heard in all these previous episodes that the dawning is personal and every fae has to go through it, him or herself, and it's such a huge deal. No one ever mentioned the possibility that they could have help from a hand. Although in fairness, Dyson wasn't a ton of help and almost got Bo trapped and devolved in his fantasy world. Though he did come through in the end, it begs the question, what would her dawning have been like if he hadn't accompanied her? And... Yeah, I mean, some interesting points, and yeah, I mean, he wasn't a whole lot of help. She did basically fend for herself to a large extent. But he ended up being the the vehicle by which she got back, right? Right, right. So So he didn't necessarily help her, but like you said, so. Yeah. But, Sally, we appreciate it. you know, again, just keep them coming. I mean, it gives us a lot of things to think about, and we certainly enjoy reading them and, and talking about them as we go along. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Great feedback. Right. And if any other listeners would like to send us feedback, you know, again, please do at uh, fatalist.podbean.com. You can leave us a voicemail or the email at fatalistpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Well, we finally arrived at the point in the podcast that most people have probably been waiting for, and that is the episode analysis for Season 3, Episode 10, Delinquents. Yes. Before we do that, I should just say that the British call their resume a CV. Okay. Which says Curriculum Vitae. Okay. So I always wondered what that stood for, and now I know. Now that I know, I still know. Yeah. And it wasn't even in project. <laughs> All right. So anyway. So what do we know about delinquents? Uh, I don't know. I know I got a couple brewing here in my house. Okay. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I think one thing we were both, I think you were disappointed more than I was, but. I was get, extremely disappointed. Well, when you get an episode written by Michelle Lavretta. That which even adds to the disappointment, right? Um, and, and I think uh, you know I'm going to say it, even though I'm sure 99.9 percent of our listeners already know it. Uh, Michelle Lavretto is the creator of Lost Girl, and during season one, she wrote five of the 13 episodes. 
She wrote the first two episodes in season two, but this is the first in season three. And, and quite frankly, I think most of us had figured we'd seen the last of her scripts. So Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> once you, you step down as showrunner, you, yeah, I don't, I don't know any other show I've ever seen um, a past showrunner come and write a script. For you know when you know for so it's it was just it was weird I, I I was taken aback to see her name and I was taken more aback with you know how how bad the episode was yeah well directed by Gail Harvey who also did there's Bow Place like Home can't see the Fairest and it's better to burn out than fay away so all right well you already threw out there what you thought of the episode um I, you know I didn't dislike it as much as you did. Uh, like we were talking earlier today, I kind of think of it as a transitional episode between the dawning and whatever the kick-ass story for the last three episodes of season three better be. Um, it's sort of like yeah, it makes me nervous. This one though, yeah, like well, they're in a rebuilding phase. To use a sports <laughs> metaphor, yeah, but yeah, that's the, the um, euphemism for we're gonna suck. Yeah, right. Well. Well, it it, it didn't suck that bad. All right. It anyway, sucked. so it's just sucked. all right. The opening scene, we see uh, Bo talking to herself about her newfound power. Uh, you know, her eyes are glowing blue a little bit, and she says, "This is going to be fun." Kenzie comes in. Somebody's breaking in, uh, but you know, it, it, she doesn't really seem all that concerned. I mean, we've certainly seen Kenzie, uh, you know, in a state of you know, mild to moderate panic that somebody's breaking in. It didn't seem like that this time. No, well, she had it, her uh, boxing glove and sword, so she, she was did. She was all set to take on whoever should appear. <laughs> yeah, but just turned out to be Lauren bringing breakfast for Bo. Yeah. Which, yeah, which which then shows you how like not in sync they are, right? Yeah, that you know that. Bo rips open the door, and it's Lauren. She drops breakfast and everything. So, Bo tries to. So they're, not, they're not, not on the same page. You know, there's tr trouble in paradise here. Yeah, uh, right from the start. So, Bo tries to explain to her that her dawning now makes her feel part of something bigger, which doesn't include Lauren apparently, or doesn't you know, you know, something bigger than their relationship. So. Yeah, I think it goes back to what we said last week that, you know, like Bo is kind of like, especially now, is, you know, fairly important, fairly big deal in the Faye world. And, you know, like Lauren is, is a human. So she's not, I mean, she's, you know, definitely a bigger deal than most other humans, but, uh, but certainly is, you know, nothing compared to uh, what, what Bo is like. Yeah. Well, since we're already on the topic, why don't we just talk a little bit about the relationship between Lauren and Bo and, and, you know, what we see in this episode. So I think one of the first things, I mean, after the, uh, you know, ill-fated breakfast, uh, is their little Skype consult. Lauren's telling Bo to, you know, you know, please be careful. And, and you know, really? I mean, I, I think we're way beyond Bo needing to be careful uh, with these, right. yeah, I mean, what I'm calling kind of like a run-of-the-mill Faye problem, and right. 
But she, I mean, she's she's concerned, so you know, it's it's all right. Yeah, I I understand. I I know. I mean, I guess it's just one of those things, like you say to yeah to any loved right, one. You say it you all know. the time, right? Yeah, right. exactly. You say it all the time. It's right. it's not that you're actually thinking that that they're going to get hurt. You just you, know, you just say it all the time. Yeah, but uh, but then really, I mean, we see the 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 really huge scene, you know, at the end where you know and it's. I mean, you have to be a cold-hearted son of a bitch to not feel bad for Lauren at the end of the episode. You know, when she basically tells uh, Bo that she's not happy in the relationship, but she knows that Bo is happy. And, you know, Bo's happy because, you know, she's taken it to the next level, you know, with the dawning. And, and we'll talk a little bit about the, you know, the post-dawning Right. Well, I feel bad for both of them. You know, they they both like and uh, Anna Silk did like a, a really good job. Some of the like when, especially like the face she makes when Lauren first says the word like break. Um, you know, she has this really horrified slash sad look that was just it was really good. But yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, you feel you feel really bad for both of them. It's, you know, it's kind of, it's it's a very it's a sad scene. Again. Yeah, but- I wasn't psyched about the relationship in the first place, but that still doesn't make me you know, rejoice in both of them being in pain and hurting. Well, I guess what surprised me was Bo left pretty quickly. I mean, I guess I expected her to put up some sort of a fight, you know, put up, uh, you know, some sort of a, uh, you know, a stand to try to talk Lauren out of it. But, but she really probably didn't. like it, as in most relationships, when it finally goes south, when it finally is one person saying, "I want out" or whatever, it's usually not a huge surprise to the other person. Now, that granted, there are sometimes probably when the you know the wife comes up and says, um, "You know, I'm sleeping with the mailman. I'm, I'm moving in with him. See ya," and, you, and you're just like, "What?" But uh, I would imagine that in probably a good uh, 85 to 90% of, of all breakups, uh, you know, the other person sees it coming to some degree. They might not ad- like admit that they see it coming. They might try to ignore it and try to pretend it's not happening. But deep down, they realize, oh, this person is changing or things are changing and things are not as good as it used to be. And so when it finally comes to an end, you're like, I'm shocked, but... I reflects, I guess, not so much. Well, I think also what I liked is that, you know, Lauren's, I mean, certainly she's using her heart, but she's also using her head. You know, Bo goes through that, you know, I'll do anything, just tell me what to do. But really, I mean, the truth of the matter is it's really not possible for Bo to do whatever because of who and what she's become. And, uh, you know, despite Bo's good intentions, I think Lauren realizes that this just isn't going to work. Certainly, it's not going to work as things are now. It doesn't mean they can't, you know, work things out. And, you know, we'll, that remains to be seen. But I think Lauren realizes at this point, given who Bo has become, you know, it probably is time for a break. And maybe time for a break, she, she knows that Bo needs to figure out, you know, who she is. Yeah, true. And, and, you know, and like when Tamsin comes back at the end and she's like, don't you know, pack up Lauren's stuff just yet. So there's that idea there that they, they might get back together. Right. So. But, I, you know, but I, I, 
I guess I just can't let go of the 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 fact that I don't I don't think it's space that Lauren wants. I think she wants Bo to fight for her, and and that's I guess what I was disappointed that Bo basically just walked out the door without fighting for her. That you know I'll give you your space. Well, I don't think she wants space, but I could be wrong. What is it that pushed Lauren to that point? You know, was it Tamsin bringing up the kiss? Did, did yeah, that put- I think pretty. I mean, that was seemed to be definitely the straw that broke the camel's back. But Lauren knows who Tamsin is. I mean, Tamsin is not. I mean, she's not light, so she knows she's dark fay. I mean, her her but, motivations. But I think the thing is that, as Tamsin said, she kissed me and she didn't even feed. It'd be one thing if she was feeding, right? I wasn't sure whether that was good or bad. I think that it's bad. It's very okay. bad because that meant she kissed her not for not not a necessity, but out of because she wanted to actually kiss her. Okay. So I think then that's like a betrayal, right? Yeah. Now, Lauren also tells her that she thinks she'll always be asking for more than Bo can give. And, you know, uh, that may be true. I mean, it may just be one of those things that, again, I know I keep saying, you know, what Bo has become. I mean, we know she's been a big deal in the Fay community. And we know that, you know, there are, you know, there have been hints that she may even be something bigger Obviously, we've got a lot of reinforcement over the last couple episodes that that's, that's sure. true. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what about Dyson and Lauren? I mean, you know, we, we see them together at the end. And again, one of my favorite scenes in the whole episode, you know, they're at the bar, at the doll, at the end. I mean, all of this has happened. Uh, you know, she and Bo have temporarily split. And, you know, that scene where she tells Dyson that, you know, how silly I was. I thought you were the enemy. And, you know, you just see the two of them sitting there and it's like, she realizes, I mean, what we've realized all along that the two of them have a lot in common. Sure. And only too late. Well, but anyway, she also realizes that even though we feel bad for her, a lot of this is really totally on Lauren, man, because she is way too controlling, way too jealous. Yeah. Right. And that goes back to the whole no wolf rule she put up. Like, why would you put that rule on her? Except for you're like super jealous and you're, and you're being controlling and manipulative. Yeah. But I think also it's, she's way too human. Yeah. You you can still be a human and not be all jealous. Yeah. No, possessive. Right. Right. Well, I think it's easier when it's, you know, a human with a human. Yeah, but, I mean, she's got to understand. Like, she's got to understand who she's with. She's with right. Bo, right. you know? And, like, you get married to, like, freaking Mick Jagger. Well, maybe not now. But, like, 30, 40 years ago, you get married to Mick Jagger. I, he's not going to be faithful. You kidding me? Right? Yeah. Like, but that's that's because that's who he is. So if you get into that, you buy into that, you can't then go and try to impose your own you know, worldview or your own rules of living on, on someone else who, you know, plain yeah. and simple. Well, I mean, you know, we've talked about and, and some of the things we'd read on the internet about, you know, people that were pretty negative towards Dyson and, you know, the fact that he pushed himself on Bo during the dawning. You know, again, here in this scene with Lauren, I mean, I really felt, 
you know, th- that he was being genuine. I mean, I, I don't think there's any way that can be interpreted as, as you know, you know, that he was conniving in some way. Yeah. Well, uh, no, because he's, he's not cannot, he's not underhand. He doesn't have hidden agendas. The one thing you say about Dyson is everything is above board with him, pretty much, except yeah. for the whole he got his love back thing. But there was a now, good reason for him not to tell that to Bo. And it wasn't yeah. a self-serving one. It was actually no. painful for him, right? Yeah, yeah, no. Now, uh, what I liked at the very end there when, when the two of them, and, and he kept saying, okay, I think we're going to need shots. They start recounting all of Bo's flaws. Right. But but then... They only get a couple flaws in before they start saying all the good things about her. Exactly. And, and you know, it just, you realize that, that you know, no matter how... Um, you know, frustrating it is to love Bo. She is who she is. Right. And so. as I say, the best sex that they'll ever have, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but amen. I like. I, I, I think he says amen to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like how, um, uh, what is she? Oh, she's, you know, how do I ever get over her? And Dyson's like, oh, I'll let you know. Right. Yeah. So how can I ever get over her? He says, I'll let you know. Yeah. Shots. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, I mean, yeah. It's, well, it's, and I just really like so that the, scene because you can see the two of them, you know, becoming, uh, you know, I mean, they're not going to become partners or, I mean, obviously they do, you know, completely disparate jobs, but. No, but they just I mean, have this understanding now, right? Yeah. They realize, Lauren realizes that Dice is not the enemy. She realizes that they have a lot in common, as you said. And so there's this mean that they're going to, you know, it's just a be- the beginning of a beautiful relationship. No, it's not yeah. that. But it's, uh, you know, just certainly a common understanding that, that is, can probably help the both of them, actually, you know, kind of get over this. In, in furthering our, you know, looking at relationships, uh, Dyson and Bo, I mean, he comes to her for help solving a, a Faye-related case. And, and you know, I, I'm going to, you know, run through we, the procedural thing. But I, I think we both agree that the procedural in this episode was pretty weak and not all that important. But uh, you know, he goes to her and she looks really excited and happy to be working with him. Right. And, and she's like one of the things you see in her in this episode is she's virtually giddy. In a lot of yeah. these episodes, right? Well, yeah, she's she's just excited, like you know, like like a teenager. Yeah, you know? I mean, I'm, but you know, I'm through the dawning. You know, wh- what's next? Yeah. Let's, you know, let's. What can we conquer? I thought it's funny how she, uh, obviously, you know, she was like, obviously, had gone to camp, the camp Chippewa, right? Yeah, and well, that, camp Chippewa. Now, was that what she where she worked? Before, yeah, I mean, I know that's what her T-shirt says. That's where she had been a yeah. counselor before, um, and so she was really excited about uh, going back to camp. And, uh, and then she was like, "Oh, I was voted most popular counselor three years in a row." And I think I'm like, you know, what? I think she was also like the beauty queen three years in a row as well. Yes. Yeah. So she, but, you know, just had like a really good three years there, where just everyone's you know voting her to be everything. Right, and I think and she says she needs to do something. She needs to take down something big, bad, and murdery. All right. Um, well, back to you know Dyson and Bo. She, you know, she says, "Well, are we going to talk about what happened at the dawning?" And yeah, you know, again, it's I'm 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 certainly glad that they 
brought that up because it's you know, that should be one of those things that goes unspoken. And he says, I wasn't risking my life. I was trusting you to save it. Now, I guess some might argue that, well, okay, that's easier said than done. You know, now that you got through it, that sounds good, but was that really what it was? Yeah, I have I have no reason to 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 doubt what you know, what uh, Dyson says there. You know, yeah. I just um, I think he's he's being honest. You know? Yeah, yeah, everything. So, yeah, and then she asks him if if it was hard dating her, but he says it was harder losing her. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, there were so many of these lines that were you know evident in this episode. I, yeah, I don't know what to make of it. I mean. Are they going to get back together? Were they ever together to begin with? I'm not sure we can even say that, to be quite honest. You know, again, you, you mentioned last episode that, you know, in, in, the, in the pilot, they just, you know, jumped into bed and that was pretty much their relationship. Yeah, and they had, you know, it's, it's always the, the presence of the word babe that seems to be a, a uh, relationship ender in this show. Yes. You know? Like we saw in, back in season one where Dyson and, and Bo is always like, hey, babe, hey, babe. And then we saw uh, um, Lauren and uh, uh, the, the, what's the Natalia, Nata, Natasha, the, Nadia. Nadia. Yeah. And they're all like, hey, babe. And they're just like, ah, oh, God. And then. And then now it's like with with Bo and Lauren, they're calling each other babe all the time. Just like, man, this 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 really is a annoying, and and b, uh, you know, there's definitely this relationship's doomed because they're calling each other babe. You know what this reminds me of? What in Lost? There was a website that basically kept track of how many times Hurley said "dude" oh. <laughs> in in an episode. Yeah, we should start counting. That's a lot. So. Yeah, babes. Start counting babes. Yeah. I'm so right, annoyed. Now- I don't want to count. I just want them to stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, on the procedural, just to you know, pay lip service to it, We've got a young couple playing sex games in a field, which you know is generally a good thing. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, he's taken away by the tree creature, which we finally learn is called a tickbaling, yeah. ki- killed. And I guess my question is, how many times are the writers going to send Bo, Dyson, and Kenzie undercover into some sort of camp or school or, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I get it. It's a vehicle to bring the team together. But um, I think the one important aspect that comes out of this is that Lauren Real, I mean, she's, an, she's essentially an outsider. You know, as brilliant as she is, this team... Bo, Kenzie, and Dyson. It's all about action, strength, uh, and wile. And, right. you know, that's those are not Lauren's strong, strong points. I mean, she's got a lot of strong points, but, you know, this is the team. So, Right. And Lauren is more analytical and scientific yes. and everything right. like that. So, uh, you know, her talents don't necessarily um, are, are not as an action hero, though— right. You know, she was in Afghanistan. So is there a nascent action hero beating inside of, of, of Lauren? You know, is, well, it is could there... be. And I mean, I mean, they do, you know, they contact her for help or whatever. But, you know, it's I mean, it's never the same as being, you know, on the team in the field. True. You know, 
and and I think there's that you know that bond that forms between Kenzie Dyson and Bo that that Lauren just doesn't have and right. know, because because she can't so. Um, there were a couple of things of those creepy little spiky things. I think they were called caltrops. Yes. We find out. Oh, they I meant to look those up. Damn it. They were really creepy. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you ever seen the Blair Witch Project? I have. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, it totally reminded me of that movie, which was like the first time I saw it was like the scariest movie ever. And then the second time I saw it was like the worst movie ever. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. Did you, have you, you ever watched it the second time? I have not. No. It's, it's horrible. Okay. It's like the worst movie ever made. But I was scared me out of my skin the first time around. I went and saw the movie theater, and I thought it was so scary. And then, uh, I, I, you know, like I got, like for my birthday, I got like VHS, the little dates there. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I watched, I'm like, God, this, this movie is just really, really bad. Yeah. You know, it's like not scary at all now that I've already seen it one time, you know, and it's just like, just, just bad. Yep. Now, the you know, we said the, the title of the episode is Delinquents because this is a, a camp for juvenile delinquents. And and the other cool thing, Kenzie notices that one guy's tattoo and the little conversation, nice right. ink. It's my girlfriend's name. What? In Klingon? <laughs> so but Because that, a lot of juvenile delinquents do have ink in Klingon. Yeah, but you know, other than that, you know. All right, so right, but there, there were two times with with the kids that were that were kind of funny, and the one time when Kenzie's like, "Does anyone have a stolen credit card?" She doesn't just say "credit card." She says "stolen." No, credit card. she says "stolen." Yeah, right. And they all like they all raise their hands, and then later on, back in Bo's apartment, like she's just like, "Okay, <laughs> oh, that was so great." Who knows how to make a pipe bomb? And again, they all raise, and then Lauren raises her hand. Right, that right. was like, and I she was, does it slowly, like it goes up. Yeah, that was like, awesome. Uh, yeah. Okay, I kind of know that one too. Yeah. That was hilarious. That was, yeah. that was really good. So, but outside of that, the kids were just a complete freaking annoyance. Yeah, yeah. Like just, just some of them did never said anything. No. Some of them never talked. That's just probably just as well. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, the one important character we haven't talked about was Tamsin. Yep. Okay. And and the case, yeah. Right. For all of the episode, you know what we learn in terms of pushing the story forward. And, and, you know, admittedly there's, you know, not been all that much. Uh, I'll, I'll stick with my transitional episode, but we find out that Tamsin's apparently some kind of bounty hunter. And if we were uh, listing our predictions and keeping score and all that, uh, I think I mentioned that I think it could be a long con and, you know, we kind of find out that, may in fact be what it is that apparently she's been hired to bring in Bo to him, whoever him is. And, you know, do we really know for sure who Linda Hamilton is? I mean, I I guess I had thought, and I don't know where, again, I try to stay spoiler free as much as possible. Uh, I think you're better at it than I am, but I thought I had read somewhere that Linda Hamilton was supposed to be her mother. Well, clearly there's no evidence of that in this episode. So clearly they've worked together before, but, you know, I mean, Linda Hamilton's a pretty badass. Why doesn't she just go get Bo? Yeah, well, she's, I mean, she's obviously some kind of mentor, right? Like a teacher. And so, you know, as a mentor, yeah, I could do it. 
But I want you to do it. Right? Yeah. The whole point is for you to do this, not not for me. So, in, in that respect, she you know, she's basically saying, Tamsin, listen, you have a chance. This is your chance to to get it done. Um, and if you don't, then then I'll have to step in and, and take care of business. Yeah. Now she but hands. You're, you're right. I mean, she she should have probably just done it herself. Right. She hands Tamsin the wanderer card and tells her that he knows you found her. So, are we to assume that when? She was paired up with Dyson way back when. That this was all part of a yeah a, a yeah. longer game. I, yeah, that, yeah. This has all been part of it right from the start. Okay, I guess now. But does she really need to be paired up with Dyson in order to? I mean, well, I, I guess that's how she gets close to Bo. But she just has to get some hair. I mean, she break into her house and get that. She could stop by. She could. Pr- Posed as her stylist. Yeah. Well, I, I and yeah. you know, I guess that goes back to the question. Uh, it's been you know ten episodes. It's been ten weeks. You know, whatever that is in you know the, in in terms of the right the actual storyline, we're not exactly sure. But I mean, the point is, why didn't she just like like you're saying right from the start? But she didn't have the little rune glass then, right? That that right. Linda Hamilton gives her she, so. Yeah. You know, what was her plan? I mean, uh, I guess what I would think is perhaps that that word on the street is that, you know, this succubus is pretty powerful. So it's, you know, tread lightly, get the lay of the land, figure out how you're going to do it rather than just jumping in and perhaps, you know, getting killed. So Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I, you're right. Because they're, you know, as as a fae, they, she has like a long time, right? <laughs> you know, right. Like, so but, it's, they don't judge time the same. Right, but to quote Kiara Cameron, it's become complicated. It's complicated. Right, because clearly she's conflicted. You know, clearly she's become fond of Bo. Sure. But she throws the bottle out at first, which turns out to be a pretty bad mistake. Yeah, so uh, I think I copied this down right. She's told to get one hair from someone Bo loves, two from someone she trusts, and three from Bo. Yes, so then the question is, and it was hard to tell. Well, it looked like she just took one from Dyson's brush. Yeah, that's what I, okay, so there, that's the that's my point. Which yeah. does she see? Now, she tells like they, Bo. They made pains to kind of her, you know, obviously pantomiming, just pulling a single hair, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I think they, they clearly... You know, showed that that she just took one from her. So we assume that she took the the two from Lauren, mm-hmm. and then and we know she you know the three from have to be from Bo herself, right? So that's so. what I say. Like, well, she messes it up. You know, if like she gets it backwards and gets the person she loves, the person she trusts mixed up, then will it not be effective? Or is it just what she sees? I mean, does she see that? You know, I mean, she already had that little conversation when they were on the on the dawning that that uh, you know that that. Dyson loves her and, you know, he's crazy moony about you. So who knows? But the question is, why does she tell Lauren about the kiss? I think think she's just now that she's kind of committing herself to bringing in Bo, like now she just wants to be mean. Okay. Yeah. Like she's kind of bitter about having to betray Bo. And so, you know, she's just going to take it out on whoever. But and, and then allows Lauren to slap her. Right. 
and then just yeah, which I thought she would just been like, oh no, you didn't, and then yeah, be like, right. yo, a chick fight, right? But it's almost like like you said, just uh, wanted to be deliberately mean, and knew knew that was going to be the reaction, and okay, fine, that's you know, I deserved it. So, well, the question then becomes, is she going to go through with it? And at the very end, when she gra- you know, she gets Bo's hair last, and you get that look from Bo where. You know, the light bulb went off in her head right, and right. she knows something's up with Tamsin and what could Tamsin stay for just one glass of wine, right? Yeah. She's right. really so careful and circumspect, man. You know, like she could have hung out a little bit and Bo wouldn't have been as suspicious. But you know, she yanks her hair and bolts for the door. I mean, that is really, really suspicious. All right, some questions. Okay. All right. So I'm not sure why I care about this because it's I'm not going to tell you how babies are made, Dave. You're going to okay. have to you're going to have to see <laughs> yeah. older brother, sister. About I have that. the internet. I can find it. Okay. All right. So, uh, who's the boy who attacks Lauren? Okay. Is he human or fae? He's human, I think. Right. 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 I mean, that was sort of what I. But, but you know, so that I guess what it. it but his girlfriend was fae, right? Or, yes. Or, so. Right, right. He's definitely human because there's that kind of that moment of understanding, right? Or I guess if that might be a bit of a stretch to call it that, but basically he's like, you know how I feel, right? To Lord, you as a human in love with a fae, you know what it's like, so you understand. So there's like this kind of parallelism there between the the two of them. But this actually kind of leads me to my, I'm going to go to my really, really, because this is just such an awful horrible jump in the narrative it just made no sense at all why does he go after lauren it makes zero sense yeah you know they i know kenzie ex- tries to explain away saying oh well the you know lauren's been talking to him a lot like when w- when was she at camp yeah yeah or, or i guess they you know they brought them the bows apart but when did they interact at all yeah not once in the whole episode, and now, like, the kid is is going after her. Like, what the? I was just like, I was I was so like the whole rest of the episode. I was just totally out of sorts because I was convinced that I just missed something. I'm like, I must have missed something because it doesn't make any sense at all that he's going after Lauren. And then I went back and watched it. So like, you know what? It still doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. No, I agree with you. That's just that's just bad. That's just horrible. Like the that's oh. Uh, Bad, bad. So that was like my main beef with with this episode was first of all, like the whole like the procedural was was kind of blah as it was, but but then throw in this just this plot twist with uh, Dusex Machina mis- mixed in and just uh, yeah didn't like it. Linda Hamilton is she dead or just maimed? Yeah, well, I mean, we said you know, about yeah. that the acacia bush is uh, does have um, symbolic symbolic uh, meanings uh, related to uh, you know. Now maybe we should rebirth. look on IM, look on IMDb and see how many episodes she's, she's just in. in the one. Oh, you looked. You weren't yeah. supposed. To... Oh, right. I'm sorry. Shad and I revealed that. Oh, I'll edit it out. Spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. You now, who, who is the him that hired? Linda Hamilton and Tamsin to bring That's in Bo. That's the Wanderer. 
right? Okay. Yeah, uh, I think that was pretty good. Okay. Cool. But I mean, who is the wanderer? Are right. We, you know. Well, Bo's dead. I think. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that's that's not for sure, but that's that's what I think. All right. Um, yeah. Obviously, we we you know is Tamsin going to go through with it, and that's going to be uh, you know my prediction is going to have to do with this. And then the the one thing I noticed, and and I noticed it the first time I watched the episode, and I noticed it again the second time. Um, and, and I can't even remember, I, I think it was the scene where Dyson's talking to Lauren in the bar, and, and he says something, he says, God's yes. Right, yeah, I did notice that, yeah. Is this an homage to Battlestar Galactica? Yeah, the, maybe, and also part Are when, the Fae polytheistic? Well, I, I think if you go back to when he was a young Fae back in, in, uh, in medieval Ireland, uh, you know, they, they would have been polytheistic. Actually, not medieval. It would even, you have to go longer back. 1,500 years. He's 1,500 years old, so that brings him to, right, you're around 500, right? Which probably in Ireland, that was definitely Christianized by that point. Okay. So, no. Okay. So, yes, shout out to Battlestar Galactica, I'd say. All right. So, all right. Well, anything else? Uh, No, I don't think so, actually. Okay. Um, oh, except for the, the one thing that was kind of neat about how, uh, Acacia and Tamsin are kind of like waxing nostalgic about the War of eighteen twelve. I thought that was funny. Oh, okay. Um, the uh, oh, uh, you know, actually, there was one more thing I want to bring up. The the whole uh, what I've gotten my notes as post dawning. Okay, so uh, did Bo's success at the dawning have anything to do with her new powers? Okay, so I mean, I think that's certainly a question that that we'll have to look at because clearly. Yeah, she seems more powerful. But she's the only the one time has she actually. Well, I mean, it was just last episode, so let's give her a chance. But um, yeah, like she didn't, she didn't really tear apart the uh, the the tickbelang, right? Right. So, so well, see, and that's the thing, you know, that that if she's this super succubus, how come she had trouble, you know, defeating the tree fay thing? You yeah, know? that's what I'm saying, right. Yeah, yeah. So that uh, Now, Dyson comes to her aid, but the question remains uh, whether or not she'd summon up her super succubus power. Uh, how much control does she have? Yeah, you know? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, she, she didn't use it. So no. I guess maybe she didn't feel, didn't feel so, like she really needed to. Or she's still learning to harness it. Uh, you know, not, yeah. not clear. But I guess one thing that, that I guess I took away is that I think she still loves Dyson but she's not in love with Dyson. Okay. And that I think maybe what I see out of this scene is that may, you know, that, that, uh, you know, in all, with all due respect to Kenzie, you know, he may be her best friend. That's the way I saw it. Yeah. That makes sense. So, all right. You want to do our, uh, realies? Yep. Okay. But I kind of already did mine. Okay. So yours was with the, uh, the plot hole. Yeah. Okay. This kid all of a sudden is that, is uh you know breaking into Lauren's apartment like really like okay. you have they haven't even looked at each other this episode barely and and he's going after her so that was just too much yeah now mine has to do with the opening scene with Lauren bringing the breakfast and and not so much that yeah you know, really you're bringing the breakfast you're not so much that uh it, it's just that the whole as a plot device that you know Kenzie's worried somebody's breaking in 
I mean, you know it's not going to be anybody dangerous. I mean, I didn't think it was necessarily going to be Lauren bringing breakfast, but, you know, I mean, I think we knew it wasn't going to be anything dangerous. Right. So. Yeah, they usually start off kind of with something funny anyway, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, predictions. And I'll go first with mine. Okay. Uh, you know, the question comes up, is Tamsin going to go through with it, right? She's got all the hair she needs in the rune glass. I think she's going to go through with it. But the fact that Bo knows that Tamsin's up to something is going to thwart her. And then the two of them are going to talk it out, you know, and that I think what's going to happen is that, that you know, the, by, you know, both stopping her, you know, and then talking, they're going to talk about their relationship and Tamsin's relationship to the light fay. And it goes back to the question we've talked about a couple of times. Can you change sides? Yeah, that's, 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 that we had that question and right. that's still and we, out and there we, for sure. Right. So, uh, so anyway, I think that's what's going to happen. I don't think she's going to go through with it. Okay. I think she's going to d- decide to uh, roll with her friendship with uh, with with Bo rather. And I think it hopefully will be due to the return of Vex. Like somehow with Vex's return or something, events will come to a point where she's going to have to make a decision like she did with the Morgan, right? Where she made the decision to kill that the, that guy uh, and then go and tell the Morgan that he didn't know anything about Bo or that yeah. he died before he said he, he talked, he, he, that he didn't talk to her. Um, so I think she's going to end up doing the right thing and that maybe there's a possibility that she and Bo are going to do it. Who? Tamsin? Tamsin, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm not sure about that one. Yeah. I'm not sure if I want that to happen, but I just yeah. think it, there's the potential of that happening is definitely there. You know, uh, yeah, look, obviously it's a show, you know, it's certainly at one level and one important level. It's a show about sex and about relationships and all of that. And, and you know, by the same token, uh, you know, the characters are so great. Yeah, I think I'd be fine if, you know, we went, you know, heck, a number of episodes without anybody getting it on with anybody. And that we just, right. and, and, and we just saw, you know, you know, other aspects of the relationships developing. And, you know, the one – and I think when we get to the, uh, to the end of the season, and obviously we've only got three more episodes to go, and uh, I fully expect episodes 10, uh, um, 11, 12, and 13 to really kick some ass here. Oh, for sure. But, but I, you know, I think we can draft a lot of questions that we can sit down and maybe do a, an abbreviated episode. Now, of course, we say abbreviated episode, and you, you mentioned that tonight, and we're already at an hour and 15 minutes. Um, but but one, in, in our defense, we didn't really start talking about the uh, the episode until we were like forty minutes in. Yeah, well, anyway, but <laughs> I mean, what, one of my questions is going to be: Am I tired of Bo and Kenzie and their partnership? Yeah, you said that last week. Yeah, and and I, I just can't let go of it. So I mean, yeah. you know, we'll talk about that later. But you know, I, I'd like to see those kinds of. Uh, relationships explored a little bit more and uh you know tamsin uh her relationship with with Bo. i mean you know and, and not in a sexual way uh right you know with dyson you know i don't really see tamsin and kenzie ever you know ever meshing all right well anything else 
I think that is it. All right. Well, uh, thanks for being with us. And again, you can drop us a line at fatalistpodcast at gmail.com, the website fatalist.podbean.com. And, you know, it's worth checking that out because I've been trying to put, you know, some additional material up there. Uh, You know, also, obviously, I'd been editing out some of our earlier pilot previews and throwing those up there. But, uh, you know, when I find a good link to a good interview, I've been trying to throw that up there. So the listeners, it's definitely worth checking that out periodically. There might be something of interest. Uh, You can also click the green tab at the right side of the page and leave us a voicemail. Keep in mind, you got to keep the message at a minute and a half. Put on the old hash pipe. Yep. Or you can send us multiple messages and we're on Facebook and, and a few of the f- listeners have been, you know, leaving some messages on Facebook. Uh, I occasionally will tweet on Twitter, but uh, not so much. And as always, you can get us through iTunes. So until next time, Dave, you know what? What? I- I'm, I'm worried that they're sending some kind of revenge fee for our skin or our tonsils. <laughs>